You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Listening to Brave New Radio on yes. Brave New Radio, and I'm your professor, Doctor Professor David Kirk Philp, along with Doctor Esteban Marconi. Yeah, listening to Music Biz 101 and more. That's what it is on Brave New Radio. We're maybe we changed the name of the radio station to Music Biz 101 and more. But yes, it's great to have you, Doctor Esteban. How have you been? Uh, okay, not too bad. How about you? I've been never better. Never better. Wow, that's very good. I am peaking at this very moment, which is so yeah. cool. We have a guest with us today, uh, Dr. Michael Harrington, and yes. um, friend of the program, friend of the program, good friend of the program at the University of William Patterson. We're going to talk all about Ed Sheeran and thinking out loud versus let's get it on. But before we do that, we must give thanks. Should we not give thanks? Sure, sure. So we will give thanks. We want to give thanks to the folks at Van Dyne, Bernoinke, White Hat Management, with artists like Dave Matthews, Streeters Down, St. Vincent Kiss, Zach Brown, and Tima Likes Music, there's only one place to go. If you're biz, fans, business management, go to vb-cheapa.com when you are ready. And we want to give th- thanks to Christine Oy. Bay, a wealth manager at the Forefront Group. Christine has helped professionals and amateurs all over the world manage their investments, plan for their retirement. When you are thinking of building a bridge to your financial future, think about Forefront Group and go to Christine at Forefront.com. Please leave the last oil off for savings. As you should always do. And that's definitely a recommendation of Music Biz 101 and more. We want to remind you that the University of William Patterson has been ranked one of the best music business programs in the world. And we want to remind you that Managing Your Band 7th Edition is out waiting for you to purchase it and read every page from left to right. Right, Dr. Stabon? That is correct. So now, Dr. Stabon, with all the frolic out of the way, why don't you begin taunting Dr. E. Michael Harrington all about, let's get it on. Well, thank you very much, David. But I think first, Michael should sort of give a little two minutes of his uh, resume so the fans out there know that uh, we're speaking with someone with authority and experience. Oh, okay. Well, uh, my name is Michael Harrington. I'm a musician, composer, consultant. I've been a professional musician since I was 12. And what I've been doing for the last 30 years, I fell into this crazy career of copyright and intellectual property, where I, one of the things I do a lot of is uh, help lawyers determine whether a song is infringes another or doesn't, and how to go about preparing for trial with, with such stuff. 
And these days I do even more of, of proactive and preemptive copyright. In other words, before a, a company is going to release music um, or publishes or record labels, whoever, uh, they'll get in touch with me and say, are we infringing something? Or And sometimes they'll say, we think we came close to this. What do you think? So I, I do a lot of work like that. And it gets into other things like right of publicity and unfair competition and things. And I'm working a lot in AI. I have the great uh, pri privilege and pleasure of being able to speak to the United States Copyright Office um, in February of 2020 about how AI, music, and copyright should work together. Like, uh, what, what's the potential of AI getting copyright? And how would we work with that? So I'm, I'm, I do a lot in AI these days as well. That's as of this week, it's more of my time than anything else, <laughs> even hiking, you know, so. Ah, well, that uh, sounds like another show, doesn't it, David? <laughs> AI, yes. Huge yes, show. So that'll be part two. Right. <laughs> okay. We won't have time for both, that's for, that's for sure. Well, that's great. And you, so you are basically what they would call the music expert in a, in a trial for one side or the other. Right, correct. Uh -huh. And you try to take what we know as musicians and put it in layman terms so that um, everyone can understand it, including a jury, should there be one. Right. Hopefully you try to make things very clear that everyone can understand it because you're dealing with law and you're dealing with music theory. And no one I know is born with a, it's, you know, I, I come out knowing copyright law or I came out of the womb knowing music theory. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's trying to make the language uh, understandable and hopefully have examples to be able to back that up. And, and again, look for clarity and, and um, you know, try to convince people of your point or show them what they should consider when they're making a decision. So before a, um, a case, we don't say it's a trial. Before before it's a case, why don't you run down for the audience of what you would do to determine whether you want to go on one side or the other, or even accept the the privilege of representing? Great. Okay. Um, I'll often be contacted by. Uh, I prefer it be an attorney, and I would prefer also not knowing what side uh, this person who contacted me is on whether it's a plaintiff or a defendant. And it's often two songs. And they'll say, you know, one song was composed first and the second song later. Um, and that the person who wrote the second song had the ability the, to the access, could have had access to having heard this music. So, because you cannot be accused of copying if you didn't have access, if you hadn't heard the music. So that, that's an important consideration too. So I, I will then, you know, I will listen to them. Sometimes that they may, might tell me, oh, it's the chorus of both. Uh, they might say it's the verse. It might be, oh, it's the, the melody in this section. It's the chords here. They may tell me things like that or lyrics. Or, um, I don't really care about that. It's just like, it's this and it's that. So I'll, I'll go through them carefully and start to see, you know, start to listen to what might be what I think could be the issue. Um, you know, I'll, tr I'll transcribe in my head the melody and the chords and, and certain features, pay attention to lyrics. Um, and then when I've, when I've made a decision, I will then say, okay, I'm for the plaintiff 
um, for the defendant, or you know, um, if it's a, it sometimes it's an issue where you know they need to do they, they say we want to rewrite it, and they might have given me a few versions, and say which of these versions is less likely to cause problems. So, yeah. but I'll, I'll go through that to determine what I think is. Again, it's not like uh, if they have the same pitches in common, well, it depends on how many of them and how original the pitches. So I have to then go through and see if something's in common, is it a copyrightable, uh, is it copy copyrightably significant? Is it, in other words, is the material original? Because what I've learned over the years that a lot of, I didn't understand and a lot of people don't, is that copyright only protects original expression. It doesn't protect everything. Mm -hmm. If both songs say they're breaking up and I watch her walk out the door, uh, you know, it's like if you heard someone write a song and you're out and, this, and the chorus kept saying she's walking out the door and you say, well, I want to, I'm going to write a song with that too. Uh, th there's no problem if you do, <laughs> because walking out the door is a, a common phrase. It's not original. It's been mm -hmm. done. So copyright doesn't protect that. It will protect what's original about the expression. If you think of uh, the, the the television, the cartoon, Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. Those four words are not an old Scottish folk song. It's you know it's a, it's a TV theme. Um, it, it, things like "Stand by Your Man," the old song, you know that the, the way that's sung with that melody. That's really original. Those words with that melody, and so on. So I'm I'm looking for what's original in both, and did. What was there copying that took place? And then one further thing that gets very important, is there pre-existing music? Is there earlier music that has got the same melodic phrase or the same uh, set of words or both? So, because I think that if it's been done before, it maybe is just a building block of music. It's public domain expression that anyone can copy, which is what happened with the Ed Sheeran. That, that's mm -hmm. definitely what took place. It was these four chords repeated that as soon as I heard it, I said, oh yeah, that's that's a lot of songs. In fact, I had I have over 200 songs with that chord progression. So yes. So are you saying that sort of um, in a typical pop song, part of that song is copyrightable. Part of that is technically in the public domain because it's been used so much, but it's the, the, the overall song, the use of that expression, which you said, the use of what's new, added on to whatever would be public domain, such as she's walking out the door, add the two together, and that's what becomes the original piece in this case. Well, yeah, that could be. It's like, how did you say she's walking out the door? Is it the same melody? Um, and, and well, which is the melody? Yeah, I mean, the song, you're right, Dave, the, the song from beginning to end is likely original, you know, because you take all these unoriginal moments, just like the conversation we're having, we're having now in, in times we've spoken in the past, none of us come up with original words. You know, we, we, we're using pre-existing words, we're using pre-existing cliches. And so if you listen to any two or three seconds of what we're saying, it likely is not at all original, but you add up these five, you know, three second phrases. <laughs> and then you've got something, oh, I never said it that way. And Dave never said it that way. And Steve never said it that way. So uh, that's where you get to, at what point does it become original expression? Unless it's something that's so unusual. I, an example I love to use is the first four chords of the Beach Boys song, Warmth of the Sun. It's a C major to an A minor, 
which is extremely common. Then it goes to an E flat major to a C minor, which no one had done. <laughs> so mm -hmm. the first two chords are, are just trite. They're not, they're just average. Mm -hmm. But when you went from C to A minor is normal, A minor to E flat major, never heard of such, never heard that before anywhere. And then from E flat major to C minor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it became original very quickly. Right. Um, so if you copied that, that might be a, a bigger deal than if you copied she's walking out the door or something. Well, let's take one step back. You cannot, for the audience, obviously, we're talking about expression of ideas, and you cannot copyright an idea. Correct. You can't write, copyright an idea of um, a nuclear war. Right. <laughs> it would be the expression of the nuclear war, whether it's fail-safe or whatever we want to use as an example for that. Right. And then we have to look at something that is original, mm -hmm. that it can't be trite and it can't be something that's just so common. And then Correct. thirdly, uh, if I take it correctly, that you look for similarities. And as the, I guess the part of the law says or wherever it's written, they have to be uh, beyond a reasonable doubt or... Similar, what 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 expression would you use that would say, well, these are uh, they're not similar enough to be um, copied? Oh, well, I think almost those words. <laughs> I say right. they're not similar, or uh, the phrase in in a lot of copyright cases is one song to the other. You'd say one is substantially similar. Ah, so, yes. Yeah. Yes. And there's a, there's a stronger case of similarity called strikingly similar. Mm -hmm. It's not like how we use it, like you, someone bears a striking resemblance and is strikingly similar looking to this other person. Uh, strikingly similar usually means it could only have occurred through copying. Mm -hmm. you know, okay, well, um, it's been a, a big two weeks in the New York Times as the Ed Sheeran case came to a close and it was first filed in 20, I can't remember now, 2015 or something like that. It was. Uh, it's been a long time. I mean, they, they contacted me first mm -hmm. and uh, over these two songs. In fact, then it got to be, well, not only did Ed Sheeran copy that song, but a guy named Thomas Rhett in Nashville, a country singer. Mm -hmm. position he did as well so so right. yeah they were like way over the top i mean i i, I laugh at that kind of thing and, and that's usually okay so let's let's say that marvin the marvin gay song let's get it on let's call that a let's call sheeran b and let's call ret c so they're saying B copied A, B is uh, almost identical to A, and C is almost identical to A. Well, then that must mean C and B must be identical or almost identical, and they're not, they're not even close. <laughs> so it was someone with, I don't know who gave this person this advice, who, who tipped them off to say, go look at this, this is copied. I mean, I, actually, I know what got what the Marvin, um, why Townsend, Ed Townsend, his estate, I guess, uh, an heir mm -hmm. to the estate. Um, I know why they sued. Well, one of the reasons was because 
there's a video of Ed Sheeran live doing his song, uh, Thinking Out Loud, I think it's called that one. Is that it? Yeah. I, I always forget the titles. So right. he's doing his song. Then he segues into Let's Get It On by Marvin right. Gaye because they can fit. And, and, and that to the, this naive person who convinced another naive person to say, let's go sue. Um, they think, oh, that's just complete DNA proof. You know you copied it, and now you're mm -hmm. coming clean in front of an audience, you know, as opposed to saying, this is what musicians do. Hey, I can play this. Oh, I could also play this other song in the same. And, and now let me let me change it a little bit and throw a third song in, you know, a mashup. They're either side by side or stayed at the same time. Right. That, and that's that's, uh, an Australian... An Australian was, group was on the internet this week. I don't know if you saw it, but they they do a uh, satire and comedy and so on in their act, and they did 28 songs match up mm -hmm. with the same um, chord progression, four chords. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. It, it's also, you do it with Pachelbel's Canon. Yeah. Because uh, that's also sexual healing of Marvin Gaye. You know that's pretty much the same. It's a it's a bunch of songs. Yeah, right. if you get something standard, if, if it sounded good in the 1600s, it might sound good now too. <laughs> so yeah. in a, that 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 Pachelbel canon that uh, you know that's that pattern is is sounds good. <laughs> so mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. this century, the Rascals did it. You know, I mean, a lot of groups have done it. So, what transpired then in this trial? Well, the trial, I, I didn't pay much attention to it <laughs> because I just, I just didn't want, I'm busy. I've got so many other things. I'm, I'm working on several cases right now, a lot of AI stuff, some teaching and just a lot. So I don't know exactly what was going on. I was, I'd hear little bits uh, that Sharon said, if he loses, he'll get out of the music business. I, I'm sad. He, uh, it's too bad he even thought that, let alone say it. Um, <laughs> But um, I'm not exactly sure what happened, but I, I, the lawyer must have done, or lawyers for his side, the defendants must have done a pretty good job because I think they tried to say, focus on these four chords are pretty common. In fact, they're not even identical. The, the second chord, the three, is, a, is slightly different. So it's mm -hmm. one, three, four, five, and Sharon's three chord is really a one chord with the... Uh, with, with the different bass notes. So that's that's very small stuff, but I think they must have concentrated, uh, tried to get across to the jury to keep it simple. And it's really good that whenever you have someone who's a great artist and they're being sued, make sure <laughs> you get them, show how you compose mis music, Mr. Sheeran. And could you, they, John Fogarty of Creedence Clearwater Revival was on the stand for a few days in demonstrating how he wrote all these big hit songs. Mm -hmm. So that part important too. You can start to see that, oh, all right, this is how it's done. And yeah, these ideas come to me and this is how I express them. So um I, I think I think those things sounded good. I, I'm I'm just too busy. If I get a copy of the transcript, I, I won't even read it. I'm just I'm just slammed with other things I'm doing. Uh but but my part in it was fun. It it it, it took a long time to get uh, the no out of me. So they, they took a long time to pay me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was, it was a strange, strange uh, dealing with them. 
What, what do you mean? Can you explain that? What do you mean? It, it took a long time to get a no out of you. Who, and who approached? So the plaintiffs, which is um, Ed Townsend, who was the co-writer with Marvin Gaye of Let's Get It On. They're the ones who approached you. I think it was six, seven years ago. They approached you first. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, well, it was not even a, it was not a lawyer. So I'm not, I can say, talk, I can talk about what took place because it's not between a lawyer. It's not something, it's, it's um, no confidentiality, nothing like that. It was a, it was a money person mm -hmm. who involved, who does money. And we had a 57 minute phone call, which was the worst 57 minute phone call I ever had. <laughs> uh, I, just, I said, I didn't know that this person I, I could tell when I'd ask a question that the I, I wouldn't it wouldn't get answered. They'd go to some other place. <laughs> These just strange things, and I was always going to end the conversation. And the person would ask something else, and uh, so anyway, he I figured out once I knew what his name was. I looked him up online, and uh, he's not a lawyer. So, so there was that. And he was asking me questions that a lawyer wouldn't ask. There was some, the person was naive about law. And uh, eventually I said, well, here's the big deal. So Dave, to, to get quickly to, to, to the heart of the matter with your question, they wouldn't pay me. <laughs> and so I'm not gonna give an opinion. I'm not gonna work for free. Um, you know, a, a lawyer can do that. A lawyer can say, oh, don't worry. You know, it's, you hear these personal injury attorneys, you don't get, you don't have to pay if we don't get paid, you know, right. is that, and some lawyers work that way with copyright uh, litigation. Most don't, I think, but um, I have to work. I have to be paid. I'm not an advocate. I'm, I'm, I'm an impartial person, but I have to be paid just like, you know, when the electricity is an issue or the, or the plumbing's an issue in your house, you pay that person, you don't wait a year. So I was waiting to be paid. And uh, it was funny. I'd hear, I'd, I'd get texts from the person saying, "I haven't got heard, I haven't gotten your your report." And I said, "You haven't paid me." <laughs> so it just took for it really took about a year. I was amazed at this person. So, and, what were the reasons you turned it down besides the just unprofessionalism? Oh yeah, no, it had nothing to do with that. I was gonna, I could put that aside. I just realized, well, it's just a bad 57 minutes of your life, you know, but <laughs> we've, we've all had worse, you know. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was because it was not, uh, the court, there was nothing copied that was significant, that was, that was original expression. There was no copying of original expression. Both songs are based on one, three, four, five, slowly moving bass line with the common diatonic notes, in other words, the notes from the scale, the, the chords you're supposed to play. <laughs> so it's just so common, it dates back centuries and I have hundreds of versions I can show. You know, there was no lyrics copied. There was no melody copied. I mean, they could say, oh, it's the same chords. Yeah, the bass line's the same, but what's being sung is different. You know, you could try to concoct a case to say, oh, they both begin here, they both do this. Um, but there, there was nothing significant had been copied. Nothing, nothing, no, no protected expression had been copied. That's the legal significance. You know, you have to copy, you know, protected expression, original expression. Um, and they didn't. So that, that was the reason. And also with the other song, same thing. <clears throat> As I recall, I think he wanted, I think 
whether it was two at once or one mm -hmm. one right after the other, I think it was that. And with this person, I I, I just didn't. I said, I'm definitely not doing another thing until I, I get the money from this person because, you know, that person stretched it out for about a year, it seemed. <laughs> I haven't looked at the dates. I haven't gone back to look, but I know it was close to that. So you can't or can you copyright a chord progression? Yes, definitely. A chord progression can be protected by copyright if it is original. Most chord progressions are not. In most popular music, the great majority of pop songs, and I'm talking hip hop and country and rock, and um, they're based on on uh, what's what's most important to listeners is often melody, lyrics, sound of the instruments, which that's not a copyrightable thing either. But yeah, you can have an example where the chord progression was so original, and it's copied or almost identical in another song. The most recent example is uh, Radiohead suing Lana Del Rey over a song that had one to three major to four major to four minor to one. Um, and they both did that. And the strange thing was, from what I've read, Radiohead was sued by the Hollies, by the, the person who wrote the song, the song by the Hollies in 1973. So they were they were sued for infringing that chord progression, and years later, <laughs> as if they own it uh, or created it first, they end up suing Lana Del Rey. But in fact, it it pre-exists. It came before the Hollies even. So I don't know why. I, there was I think there was bad mu forensic musicology work going on in these cases because the song that that chord progression that the the, the Hollies supposedly created and own whoever the writer is, it goes back to David Bowie. It goes back to uh, Jimmy Witherspoon. It goes back to the Ink Spots. <laughs> it, it's a lot of other people have done that prior to the Hollies. But but that case, anyway, to answer your question, that case comes down to a chord progression case. That's really mm -hmm. what it is. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, if you can copyright one melody, everyone agrees you can copyright one melody. <clears throat> if you add, add another melody, uh, they both potentially copyrighted, copyrightable? The answer, well, sure. How about adding a third melody? Uh, can they all three be copyrighted? Of course. Well, three different melodies proceeding at the same time is also known as a chord progression. You know, if you think what a chord is, a chord has three different pitch classes, and then it goes to another chord with three different pitch classes or some of the same. But if, if that's original enough, like, as I mentioned, the first four chords of Warmth of the Sun by the Beach Boys. Uh, listen to Stevie Wonder's song, That Girl. The bridge is insane. It, it's mostly been an A-flat minor. Then he suddenly goes to a C-sharp half-diminished seven to a G-major seven. Like, what, what, what planet is that from? And he does it a few times. <laughs> uh, and, and there's there's several, the Gypsy Kings have, have songs with original progressions. And so, yeah, it can happen. It's rare. It doesn't happen often. Um, it's usually chords are often and a chord progression is usually just a uh, maybe supplementary evidence like it, it adds to it, but it's usually not the important thing. Again, it's usually melody or lyrics. Now, our shoddy forensics, forensics uh, common. 
I think so. Yeah, shoddy forensic musical. I think so. I've seen some pretty poor work. Um, I mean, just what I read, again, I haven't read the transcript of the court proceedings, but the expert witness the plaintiff got said something about that one, three, four, five chord progression is extremely unusual. <laughs> no, it's not. I, I quickly gave them 30. Uh, I have in one of my databases, I have uh, 250 of them or 260 or so. So it's not, it's not extremely rare. Um, that I've heard, I've seen that kind of stuff before or in the blurred lines case where the, the expert witness for the plaintiffs, one of them talked about a constellation of similarities, which was just the stupidest thing is it is if copyright law needs to intersect with astrology, or astronomy, <laughs> you know, oh, you're a Virgo, you're a Gemini, you're a Capricorn, Sagittarius, what the hell are you talking about a, a, a constellation? And that person was saying there, there's so many points of similarity, but here's what was not similar in the Blurred Lines case. No melody was copied. No chords were copied. No rhythms were copied. No lyrics were copied. And there was no sampling. You know, just a fool. That, that's the worst case ever. The worst result that really had an impact, a really negative impact. And it brought about a lot of stupid lawsuits that I, I was able to kill a good number of them, but you know, they were brought because, oh, this one, look, we have, there's no, there's nothing in common with the two songs. Oh, but they have the same three words in one place, which blurred lines didn't even have the same three words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, there can be very poor, um, poor work by uh, musicologist. It's, it's happened. I've seen it numerous times. And one thing I saw one time was, was a person saying that, um, oh, both songs are similar. Here's a, an important point of similarity is that both songs were sung to, here's the quote, that both songs are sung to an absent second person, unquote. Both songs sung to an absent second person. To me, that means, oh, they have words. <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? The, the person, the second person means like the public. You're singing the song to someone in the public. It's how yeah. is that? That's a point of similarity. Like as in human beings wrote both, or they both have beginnings and endings, and they both have choruses or something. It's it's really trite. Now, is it? Um, it's often been said that if you're successful, you're going to be sued. Uh, um, are many, many songs, and then they're thrown out, but are many, many songs uh, up for infringement and then get thrown out because it's just stupid? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, there's an old saying, where there's a hit, there's a writ. You're right. So, That's the yeah. same principle, right. Yeah, if you if you made if you made money, you're going to be sued. I'll give you an example example from my life. <laughs> my, the first case I ever got in was uh, was get involved in was against Billy Ray Cyrus. I was working for a plaintiff, and it was Cyrus at the time, thirty years ago, February of whatever thirty years ago, nineteen ninety three. Um, his achy breaky hat was huge, but I got involved in the song while that was still up number one or so. I got involved in the follow-up that we thought, I, I agreed with the plaintiff, I thought it had been copied. But while that was going on, I had 10 different parties uh, contact me saying they had written Achy Breaky Hot. 
So there were 10. I've still never had more than 10 <laughs> uh, aimed at one song. Um, but that one was 10. <laughs> I, I was just so busy. I couldn't believe like these songs, are, they're, they're so little. There's nothing I didn't even know. When I began in this, I didn't know. And, and no, one, no one lectured me, sat me down and said, hey, it, it means this. You know, I was just thrown um, out there. Uh, to to know nothing about law and and get my uh, get get really slammed at a deposition like keep mm -hmm. asking me questions about law <laughs> I didn't know them I didn't know the answers but for for me it came down to the musical uh, the likelihood of something having copied something else and if something's creative that I knew I just didn't know what the copyright law was but um, yeah you, you, but but to go back to that that there are songs that kind of beg um, lawsuits, probably, especially if they're simpler. Mm -hmm. you know, like that song only uses these four chords and mine uses the same four chords. Mm -hmm. Or the song is about the same subject matter. You know, it's about a guy who, a guy who uh, stole his best friend's wife or something, or just some, some, some subject matter that's been addressed a lot, you know, or, or cheating on you. Uh, I think there are a few songs about cheating, you know. <laughs> so that, when those things come out, you know, that can happen. What's that, so, Steve? Um, so they would contact you and then they would play the part for you where they think the copy occurred? Uh, usually not. Usually they'll just send me the music. Uh, um, yeah, sometimes they'll, they'll try to... I've, I've been approached in all kinds of ways. Uh, I had a guy one time, He he gave me... There must have been over a hundred small segments of his song with the def uh, potential defendant song. Actually, he was suing Tom Petty. I remember it now well. And he'd, he'd slow it up to wah, 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 versus wah, 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 wah. <laughs> very, very slow. You see, they're alike. You're like, geez, you slow down, you know, you slow down a piccolo and it becomes the sound of an elephant bellowing, right. you know whale i mean he he did the craziest thing so he was i never saw something so over the top and saying look at this this must convince you when you change the speed this much so it, it'll depend i mean I, it, how you approach someone is fascinating you know do you want to um do you want to keep arguing with that person that badgering the expert witness till they agree with you mm -hmm. and if you do that's going to be trouble for you later on because the other side is going to ask you at deposition, well, tell us, you know, about who contacted you. And they'll have a lot of questions and they'll say, did you think that initially? And you'd have to answer no, but I got turned, I got talked into it by this person. Mm -hmm. I, I think that would be a, a, a horror, a nightmare, you know, and, mm -hmm. but people have tried that with me plenty of times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? How about a decision that you you heard about you weren't involved with, and you said that's totally wrong. To I mean, not oh. the blurred lines, but yeah, um, oh, fairly. oh, definitely. Well, the Led Zeppelin case was that for me. Um, it, I was not involved initially, but uh, there was an effort to um, this great lawyer 
wanted to and and asked my opinion. He said, "What do you think of this?" I said, "It's foolish. Zeppelin didn't copy. <laughs> it's it's a it's nothing to copy. It's a it's a base. It's a chromatic baseline. It just mm. notes of it with different chords, even not, and one's instrumental and one's got words." <laughs> So right. I, I thought it was just absolutely foolish, about as dumb as Blurred Lines. He asked me if I wanted to get involved. I said, yeah. And so with him, we co-authored in a more his writing than mine, but um, as a friend of the court brief. In other words, we just, we're not involved in either side, but we feel strongly about the issue. Like mm -hmm. if that Zeppelin case had gone the wrong way, it's just such trouble. You know, I mean, it was that chromatic baseline of that Led Zeppelin used and Spirit used does date back to 1650 or so. Yeah, and I call it a music theory exercise. It's just you know you play this note, you play the next one to the left, next one to the left, next one to the left, and your right hand can either keep the one chord throughout the whole while the while your left hand changes, or it can ch change chords. Mm. So um, had that gone that way. Um, that would have been a problem, but but yeah, that was an example of one I wasn't involved in initially, but I got uh, asked if I want to take part in, mm -hmm. so I did. Yeah, I mean there was some like if this if this uh, blurred lines had come out, uh, blurred lines, the Ed Sheeran this recent one, if that had turned out wrong, I would definitely be involved. You know, mm -hmm. as I already was involved, but I didn't I didn't help the plaintiffs. I mean, the defendants in this. I, I agreed with them intellectually and musically, but I, I wasn't going to uh, get involved unless they lost. And then, yeah, <laughs> mm -hmm. I think a few of us would, would uh, get get you know caught up in that. Well, the Blurred Lines case, I got dragged into that. I don't know if we ever talked about that. I, I didn't mean to no. be in, in Blurred Lines. Did I tell you about this? Or we ever talked about it? I don't think oh. so. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> I, um, it was August of 2016, I was teaching here in Nashville, and um, yeah, three-hour class, and so, you know, phone's in my pocket, and starts buzzing, I just look at it, and it's like, congratulations, I wonder what that is, oh, cool, the break, I'll read this, then I get a few more congratulations, <laughs> like within a few minutes, like, what's going on, you know, so at the break, I realized, I, 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 got some emails too and they said um the 212 musicians had filed a friend of the court brief in blurred lines so these 212 musicians were not in the case um but they felt this is a horrible issue you know uh, no matter what you think of uh, robin um uh, robin Thicke and pharrell williams whatever you think of them as people or the song or anything this is a terrible case because nothing's been copied it's just that it reminds you of, it's the feel, you know, the groove. Um, so these 212 musicians within, got an attorney or two and, and they filed a friend of the court brief and they had eight authorities they're called, eight sources of saying, this is why. And I was two of them. <laughs> so suddenly, oh, <laughs> I guess I'm in this thing. So then that led to this, this lawyer in LA contacting me, say, do you wanna, let, let's do one from your point of view um you know not just that but you know it's so so we did and so i next that's how i got involved i it was just completely innocent carefree i'd been interviewed a lot about it and i used to always say the same thing this is a 
this is the worst case ever. <laughs> this, if this ever works, this means you can get in trouble if none of the lyrics are the same, the subject matter is different, uh, none of the melody is the same, the chords aren't the same, you know, nothing's the same, but the feel and the groove and the vibe, the style, you know, like no one has copyright in a style. I don't uh, understand. I don't understand the this friend of the court brief because is that so? But if the case has been decided, is it just uh, is it in case there's an appeal or where where is that used to help determine any sort of outcome? That's uh, it can be used before while while it's while the trial has taken place or as it's going to. It can be filed at different times, like it can be filed afterwards because there's three levels of court when it comes to copyright. There's the district court. So you guys live in some district in, in New Jersey. I live in the middle district in Tennessee. So you have the district courts, federal, it's a real big deal. You have the trial there. If you lose, you can appeal it to the circuit. That's the next level, there's 13 circuits. You go to the one, you guys in New Jersey are in the third circuit. I'm in the sixth circuit. LA, San Francisco, that's the ninth. New York City is two, you know, uh, second circuit. Then after that, you can potentially go to the Supreme Court. So, but but early on, once there was so much press about it, these musicians felt this is a, a terrible case. And I'm, I'm trying to remember right now whether it took place so long ago, whether there had already been a decision, because you could file it, it, it before it, it makes the decision, you know, before the circuit, the, the district court, the first one before the district court has made the decision, before the trial is taking place, you could file it then or after. I forget which they did. I think it might've been before, but they rightly felt like this is bad for all of us. I mean, country musicians here in Nashville thought it was a terrible decision. So it can be filed at any time. Um, and there, there's some, whenever there are big cases, you know, you think of things that go to the Supreme Court, you know, same-sex marriage, there's a lot of amicus briefs that go on, groups of people who, or, you know, uh, uh, abortion, the Dobbs decision had people on both sides, and they had friend of the court. I, I think friend of the court, it's, it's, it, it, it's the Latin is amicus brief, you know, amicus courier, and, um, or amicus, I've heard it pronounced that way. Um, it, it's, it's an important uh, filing, and it's important because it shows these people have no financial interest in this. They're not involved on either side. So yeah. they're the, well, hey, I feel this way strongly. And so in other words, if, if the defendant gets another expert witness or uh, the plaintiff gets another one or two, so what? They've, they've said where they are. They're part of that lawsuit. But these are people who are outside and unbiased, you know, but they, they have a strong feeling about how it should work. And they'll say, what's wrong? What are the damages? What could happen that's bad for the music industry was bad for creators? I mean, the Blurred Lines decision was terrible. That scared the hell out of a lot of people because it's suddenly like, wait, I, mean, I can get sued if say that my song's nothing alike, but the producer decides let's make it sound like it's a Motown song or, or make it sound like it's uh, Daft Punk or just someone else, you know? Like like what someone could do to the with the instruments they had the speed, you know the arrangement that could also lead to you uh, being being sued for copyright infringement and you had nothing to do with it. 
So, I mean, there's enough problems without now having preposterous ones like blurred lines or the Ed Sheeran case. So when we get our victories like this, it's wonderful. <laughs> well, I read that with the blurred lines case, it was very, it was criticized heavily for going in the direction of the Marvin Gaye estate and that the Led Zeppelin case, which uh, the defendants who were Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, by them, I guess, winning um, it helped present, put the pendulum back to like neutral. And then mm -hmm. there's this case, which uh, the Ed Sheeran case, which again uh, was helpful for creators on the musician side, because uh, once again, it, it supported the view that about what we talked about at the beginning of this, about what is copyrightable within a composition. Right. Oh yeah. It, it's funny. It's the first one was the, just the, the, the horrible, the, the nightmare, worst case scenario <laughs> is blurred lines. But then the Led Zeppelin, the Katy Perry, and now this one is much, that starts to fix it. Starts to right the wrongs of that foolishness. I mean, it, no one looks good now if you thought blurred lines, you know, if you thought they infringed, that's just foolish. Based on what? You know, there's no language that came out of that case that says, oh, oh, we gotta look for this now. There was nothing that came out of it. It's like, who knows why? It, it was. It's not copying anything. Yeah, you're right, Dave. It's. 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 This was. Um, the pendulum has swung back. It's more in the middle, or more. You know, sound. Uh oh, bad pun. But you know, like balanced and not crazy. So, how in these cases is a judge, and also when it comes to it, a jury? How are they educated, so that they're making an educated decision? Because the music business and all, all the things we're talking about music theory for some people it's like math it's really hard so whose job is it to educate them so that they have the right information so that they can make a qualified decision is that the, the job of the lawyer is that the job of the musicologist who would be you who's doing that ultimately it's the lawyer who hires the musicologist and then has to work with the musicologist like the lawyer has to know to, what they're looking for, the credentials of someone who, who you would want to hire. And one thing you want, no matter what the credentials are, well, hopefully you want someone with a doctoral degree. Doctoral degree is better than master's, which is better than bachelor's, which is better than high school. Um, so you want, you want a terminal degree, uh, but you want to be able to explain things well. In the first case I was ever in, the, the, the Billy Ray Cyrus, we're going to go to trial. And they, the lawyers is my first, so I knew nothing. <laughs> I didn't know, like, I've seen trial on television, you know, like everyone else who's seen TV, you know, but I didn't know what, uh, really what to do. And they thought, well, I think you should take three days to teach music theory. <laughs> I thought, like, what? I, I thought, no, I think, I think I could teach enough in, in 10 or 20 minutes or 30 minutes. You don't need, you know, three days. My God, you'd lose them no matter how, how good you might be, that, that's way over the top. For me, what I do is I, I can make it clear enough and say, hey, look, the, you know, the, these two melodies are similar between the plaintiff and defendant, but you know what? That's a common melody that a lot of other people have used. And if I can play those melodies and keep pointing this out to, to jurors, um, that, will, that will help a lot. Um, I think how, how the expert witness goes about it, you have to think, clarity and and really being simple and and no 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 frills you know if, if you have a, a you know there's some ivy league 
educated music theorist, for example, who could easily go over someone's head and talk pitch class sets and the mm -hmm. invariance when you've modulated. <laughs> it's not talking uh, in ways of losing people. That, that would be obnoxious. Or say, hey, look, I got a better degree than this person, so I'm right. I mm. went to a, a school. Right. Or I've written more books, therefore what comes out of my mouth is, is you should listen to me and not that person. Uh, I think you have to go about it in a way that's um, just, just intelligent, coherent, respectful, um, and simple. Just, you know, it has to be very simple. That keep it simple, stupid, you know, that acronym. Mm. I think that that's, to me, uh, should be what un what's underlying all of this. So in this case, should somebody have sued Marvin Gaye? No, no. <laughs> uh, that's that that's fun, Steve. Like what, what you just brought up. I I can't I can't give the names of this, but I, I, because this whole case was you had to be hush hush. But I was involved in one once where I brought up evidence and say, oh, it's, this has been done. This has been done. That's been done. One of those artists I brought up ended up getting sued. <laughs> wow. Like, you know. Because the point I was trying to make also, what I look for um, is that, okay, in, in the blur, say, say the Ed Sheeran case now, it's one, three, four, five, it's those four notes. I would want to show earlier examples, yes. pre-Sheeran, pre pre-Marvin Gaye, but I want to show songs in the past six years, the, in the present day songs that are using it still. I think the fact it's still being used shows that Hey, this is this is a common thing. It's it's a it's a building block in music. Like, like when people say, "Oh, you can't copyright a chord progression." Think of twelve bar blues. No one can own it. True. <laughs> when you say, "But what I was talking about is a, a portion of something can be original enough to be protected." You you're never the owner of. I mean, I think people get confused with patents. Like there's only one. If I have a certain device that bends strings on guitars. I came up with it on my own. It's really cool. I, I work as a hermit and I say I made this thing. It's really wicked cool. Uh, and then I find out this guy did this 12 years ago. And but I don't know. I'm gonna still keep making mine. I'm gonna now I'm gonna sell them. The answer is I cannot. There can only be one of that patented device that that person owns. Copyright, mm -hmm. there can be dozens and, and, and hundreds of songs with the same chords, with the same melody in the same place. Da, 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 three, four, three, two, one. There's hundreds of those. Um, and and they're, they're, all, they're all okay to use. They use with different words. You don't hear the similarity between a song in Brazil and Back in the Saddle Again by Gene Autry. You know, or Animal House theme, da 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 da. You know, well, it's, they're not copying from Brazil or Gene Autry. They're just using these same notes. So um, anyway, but but that's something that, that people have to understand is that you're going to have things in common, and that um, again, like in a case, show earlier examples of this of this melody and show current examples of the melody mm -hmm. after the case was filed just to say this is not um something you sue over this lawsuit shouldn't happen we have about two minutes left literally uh i have one final question about this particular case uh it, it stated that um on this in this track um 
it was based upon the songwriting copyright limited to the minimal sheet music that was supplied to the Copyright Office in 1973. So can you explain what we're talking about in that case and why Atlantic Records, which had the recording of uh, Ed Sheeran's version of this, um, you know, why they weren't involved? And can you kind of get into that for like two minutes? Sure. Yeah. The, the, um, copyright law has, a, there are categories of works that are, that are protected under copyright. And sound recordings was not one of them. It didn't happen till the 1976 Act, which got implemented in 1978. Right. It, it became effective January 1st. So what, what's, what you have to sue over is not the recording everyone knows. This is a weird concept for people, but those are not protected by federal law. Some states had copyright protection in sound recording. That's complicated and crazy. But um, so you had to go with what the deposit copy was. And what you deposit at the copyright office was the sheet music. And if the sheet music was thin and didn't have much in it, then you have to base that sheet music on what Ed Sheeran's recording is. Ed Sheeran's, uh, when his work came out, it was protected by sound recording. So when you compare a sheet, sheet music to the sound recording, they're gonna be significantly different. Now, the people who contacted me didn't know that. And they just said, sound recording this and this sound recording, compare them which I did. So I think even if you could compare the two, it's still the same basic elementary structure, one, three, four, five repeated. So I don't think it changes much, but the law is such that, okay, you can't compare recording if a recording is not under the copyright law at the time it was written. All right. And speaking of the word time, we have to stop because we are out of time. Ah, yes. But this has been great. Do you do you agree, Dr. Esteban, how great this is? Yes, been? very uh, informative. Yes, Thank and you. we really should actually have you back very soon to talk about AI, because the that AI, is yeah. on, in every headline, in every watch, every TV, sh <laughs> you know, news show, and read everything every day. It's it's AI. So we should really get back to you about that very yeah, soon. Well, sounds good. Great. Okay. So, Michael Harrington, do you recall, because this is, I believe, your third time on this show, do you recall what we say at the very end of every show, and it is not <laughs> hello? Mm, no. No, and it is not no, either. It is adios! It is Spain. Adios. Adios. Okay. No, it's adios.
Sie kann und 